0: You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. All righty. Well, I need to know if anybody came for the word tonight. Anybody came ready to lean in with me? We're continuing in week three of our incredible series that we've been in for the past two weeks on Parables. Somebody say parables. Parables. Parables, That's right. Parabolas. Parables. And uh, the first, uh, the first, really the parable that we're going to be looking at tonight, if you're taking notes or if you're following along with me, is found in Matthew chapter 18. So you can mark that down. You can start heading your way over there. That's where this uh, parable lives. That's its home address, Matthew chapter 18. Um, But in this month, we've been looking at The stories Jesus told. And we're only two weeks in, but I'm telling y'all, we have gone deep so far in this message. We've been covering some ground. How many of y'all have been enjoying this series so far? You learned something new? Man, I've been learning stuff as we've been going through it. It's been so good. I just want to recap real quick where we've been so far. In week one, we looked at a parable called the parable of the pounds. Somebody say the pounds. pounds. We looked at the parable of the pounds and we discovered we discovered that there's something that every single Christian, doesn't matter who you are, there's something that every single Christian is called to invest themselves into, like the good servants who invested their money. And what is that thing that we're called to invest into? It's this thing called the Great Commission. Somebody say the Great Commission. And what is that? It's to, one, serve King Jesus, right? It's to represent King Jesus in a world who does not want Jesus to be king. That's that's our first thing to invest into, but the second thing is to invite other people to be a part of the kingdom that you and I get to be a part of, to be a part of the family of God. That's what every single one of us are called to, and last week, um, we got to hear a, just a straight fire, absolute truth bomb message from Maddie B., Mad Dog, and uh, can we make some noise for Maddie? My I will say, I will say, I think I need to like pull her aside because she just was straight up lying in church last week. She was lying from the mic on the pulpit telling everybody that she's never preached a message before. I mean, come on, guys. I was like, girl, you're lying. You've done this before. But if you didn't get to listen to that message, she, she preached a really powerful word on the, par- on the parable of the prodigal son. Something that's a pretty familiar story to all of us if you've grown up in church. But we learned about something that every single person, doesn't matter who you are, every single person has dealt with this thing, and that's comparison. Y'all remember that? We looked at comparison, and comparison is no joke. It's no joke. Maddie talked about how the devil would like to use comparison to steal, kill, and destroy our what? Our commission. He wants to use comparison to keep you stuck and to keep you from walking in all that God has for you. And so I just want to let you know, if you didn't get to hear any of those messages or if you missed one of them or both of those, we've got a podcast. You should follow it. You should listen whenever you miss or re-listen. Can I get an amen? Amen. So make sure you go back and listen to those. If you haven't already, it won't waste your time. I promise you, you won't waste your time doing it. But um, tonight we're kicking off or we're continuing in week three of parables. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a little nervous having to follow up Maddie Brown. I'm a little nervous because she brought the house down last week, but I believe God's given me a word tonight. And I'm also believing he's going to breathe on it and he's going to speak through you and and to you through it. So if you're, if you're ready to lean in with me, we're going to jump in Matthew chapter 18. Y'all ready to get in this parable? It's chunky as always. I think this whole series is going to be extra chunky. Because we're reading an entire parable. So lean in with me. Follow along on the screen. Uh, This is the parable of the unforgiving servant. All right? All right? Okay, just want to make sure you all are there with me. Okay, starting in verse 21, Matthew 18. Here's what it says. Then Peter came to him. Who did he come to? He came to Jesus. And he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times but 70 times seven. So he tells Peter this thing, this math equation, and then he goes into the parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, obviously, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned. Somebody say, that's a bad day. That is a bad day. He had to do all that to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and released him and forgave him from his debt. But when this man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him A few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Somebody say, this guy is crazy. This dude this dude is just being totally hypocritical right now. He just was forgiven, and now he turns around, and he's choking a dude. What happens? Look at this. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it. Sounds familiar, right? Be patient with me, and I will pay it. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. I don't know about you, but I would be upset if I saw this, right? They were very upset. They went to the king, and they snitched on this dude. They told him everything that had happened. They spilled the tea, right? They snitched. You, and the king called the man in. That he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on a fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king, I like how it adds angry in there just to let us know. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid the entire debt. Yikes. It ain't done yet. We're not done yet. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Whoo! Okay. Okay, Jesus. Wow. Tonight, we're going to be looking at something that I believe, if we're just going to be real tonight, New Song students, can we be real? Can y'all handle this? We're going to go there tonight. Um, I think we're going to talk about something that's one of the hardest things to do as a person. One of the hardest things to do as a human being, but especially as a Christian, and that's to forgive people that have hurt you. That's a hard thing to do. And tonight, we're actually going to be looking at something that applies to every single one of us in the room tonight, because we've all been hurt before by a person. And you know what? I'm kind of, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of seeing a trend in this parable series. It seems like no matter what parable we look at, it's talking about something that has to do with all of us, right? We looked at our calling. We all have, we're all called to the Great Commission. We looked at comparison. How many of us have dealt with comparison before, right? All of us. Yeah. Same thing here. What are, we, what are we looking at? We're looking at something that happens to everybody, and that's we're hurt by people, and then we have to forgive. It's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about when he was sharing these parables, right? Jesus knew what he was talking about. So before we get into the nitty-gritty of forgiveness, and what Jesus wants you and I to understand about forgiveness, I want to be real. I want to acknowledge the fact that there's probably some of you in the room here tonight who have legit been hurt by somebody. And I want to be sensitive to the fact that all of us in this room have been deeply hurt by at least one person in our life before. Maybe you've been a victim of a bully. Like, legit, you have been bullied your entire life. And if that's you, I want to say I'm sorry. Maybe you've had some things spoken over to you by somebody you trusted or a parent, and it's cut you deep in your heart. Yeah. You know, it, with the people, the amount of people in this room, statistics would say that probably more than half of us in this room have been violated by somebody that we've known or trusted or a friend. Like, this is real stuff. Can we be real tonight, New Song students? This is real stuff, and so we're gonna go there, but in order that we go there, we gotta acknowledge that it's, it's a sensitive topic, yeah. and we can't just brush off the hurt that we've experienced. We can't just pretend like it didn't happen or it doesn't exist because it does, right? Yeah. We have to admit it. And so, But here's the good news with all of that. The good news, New Song students, is you've got a really, really good father. You've got a good father who loves you. And not, not only does he love you, it actually breaks his heart to see you and I be hurt by other people. Yeah. It breaks God's heart when you are hurt by somebody and it cuts your heart deeply. But can I tell you what, all, what else breaks God's heart? Something else breaks God's heart, and it's not just that you would get hurt by somebody, but it's that you would harbor unforgiveness against that person. Unforgiveness breaks the heart of God. And so this is why this is something we have to understand as Christians. No matter what the pain is, no matter how deep the cut is, no matter how much you think you're in the right, at the end of the day, God's called us all to do this one thing, and that's to forgive. So we're going to be looking at forgiveness tonight. It's a difficult task. It's not easy. We're not going to pretend that this is easy, but we're going to go there tonight. Okay, New Song students? So if you're taking notes tonight, the title of my message is Count the Cost. Write that down. Journal it. If you're taking notes, count the cost. But before we get into it, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in. So he can prepare our hearts for this word. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. And I thank you so much for every single person in the room. God, we know that we live in a fallen world. We know that we're not perfect just like our neighbor, just like any person we ever come in contact with. And so because of that, sometimes we bump into people and we get hurt by people. And we get cut by our friends and our family and even strangers, God, and those hurts and those wounds can cut deep in our heart. And so tonight, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show every single one of us what biblical forgiveness looks like, God. What does it mean to forgive somebody the way you've called us to forgive? Not to just brush it aside, not to pretend it didn't happen, but what do you want us to do when it comes to forgiveness? Would you help us tonight in Jesus' name? And everybody said... Amen. Okay. I don't know about you, but one of the things I love about God, you probably love this too because it works out for us in in the end, is that he can turn anything around for your good. Anybody thankful God can do that, right? Come on. Even the really, really dumb stuff that you do, even the dumbest thing you can do that you know was dumb, you're like, this is dumb and I'm going to do it anyway. Even those things, somehow, this is how good God is. He'll turn that thing around for your good. Is anybody thankful for that? I know I am. And in fact, um, I'm I'm about to share a story about how I I experienced something really dumb. I, I put myself in this really, really bad scenario that ended up hurting me, but thankfully we serve a good God and he turned it around for my good. In fact, he turned it around into a real relationship with him that I walk in today. And so really this all starts with, I grew up in a really, really big youth ministry in Dallas, Texas. In fact, it was so big that we had multiple campuses. So this is a really big youth ministry. And in this youth ministry, when, my, when I was in my senior year of high school, um, I ended up meeting this girl. Uh-oh, somebody say, uh-oh. It wasn't Haley. It wasn't my wife, Haley. This was, a, this was not Haley, unfortunately. <sighs> Yikes. Um, but I met this girl from another uh, campus at, at our youth ministry, and we knew basically nothing about each other. And on top of that, we lived like almost an hour away. So it's not really a great equation right there, but you know what? We were in love. Come on. Come on. We were in love. You know, we actually weren't in love. What we were in was infatuation. We were infatuation, but we called it love. And... Um, So we're in this relationship my senior year of high school. I barely know this girl, and very quickly, the relationship went from being something that I was excited about and something that I was proud of to becoming something that I was really ashamed of, something that was hurting me. You know, me and this girl, we were not intentional about anything, especially when it came to our boundaries. We were not intentional about putting down boundaries in our relationship, that would help us to honor God. And so very quickly, in fact, quicker than I could have even realized, uh, we started going way too far physically that I would have ever imagined. Like I was like, well, I was not expecting it to be that easy to mess up, right? We went too far before we could even know it. We found ourselves constantly going too far. We felt ourselves going past the point of what we would be proud of, past the point of what anybody we would want anybody to know we were doing, and it caused both of us, me and this girl, to feel a lot of shame. It it hurt both of us. In fact, I want to say, New Song students, this is why we talk about this, and this is why the the Bible tells you and I to walk in purity, not just in in a romantic relationship, but in all relationships, but especially a romantic relationship. God's called you to walk in purity, and it's not because He wants to keep you from fun stuff. It's because he knows that doing that stuff is so much more than just physical. It's so much more than that. It's, it's like emotionally and spiritually binding. And when it doesn't work out, which 99% of the time it's not going to, it hurts. It really hurts. In fact, I'm, I'm a testimony of this. I know from firsthand experience that it hurts to experience this and then break off the relationship. Because that's not how God called it to be. It's not under the protection of marriage. And so basically, I'm in this relationship. I know it's wrong, and I'm feeling ashamed about it. And I get to this point where I kind of don't know what to do, and I just hit the eject button. I just like, I'm panicking. So I'm just like, ah! And I just hit the eject button, and I end the relationship. I break up with this girl. And when I did this, I, I promise you, I did this with the best intentions. Like, I thought, I believed in my heart, I believed in my heart, this is best for both of us. Because like we're clearly not healthy, and we're also not honoring God in what our relationship stands for. So I'm thinking in my heart, this is good for both of us. Well, she didn't like that. She really didn't like that. In fact, I kid you not, this girl, for the next couple of months, she tried to ruin my life. I'm not joking. She tried to ruin my life. She went full crazy girl mode. Um, (laughs) And so, like, like I said, we went to a really big youth group. We went to a mega church. And so there was a lot of people that knew me and this girl. And there was a lot of people rooting for us in our relationship. Well, before I could even know it, she had already gone around and told everybody our dirty laundry. And not only that, this is the worst part. This is the kicker that really, this is the one that really stabbed the knife into me. At one point, she called a group of my friends. When she knew they were all together, she calls them. She tells them everything that we had done, but she she makes it seem like I was the one pressuring her to do everything. So if you can imagine, that hurt really bad. I felt betrayed. It's kind of like if you've ever been doing something with a friend that you know is wrong and then you get caught by your mom and your dad and they blame you for it. They're like, it was their idea. That's kind of what happened to me. I left feeling really betrayed. I left feeling like something was stolen from me. If you've ever been hurt before by a person, can you relate to this? Like we've been hurt by people before and when when people hurt from hurt us when people cut us deep when they wound our heart sometimes it can feel like something's been stolen from you are you can you can you do you understand what i'm saying yeah. it can feel like something's stolen from you it's almost like something's been taken from the bank account of your heart and this is kind of why when something happens to us we have this saying you're going to pay for that right You're going to pay for that because that's what happens. When you get hurt, it feels like they took something from you. Well, let's go back to the parable that we opened up in. We looked at the unforgiving servant, and we find a king in this parable who's literally been taken from, right? This king has been stolen from, and he actually has the right to say to this servant, hey, you're going to pay for that. But what we find out is he actually has a different approach to the servant, Jesus tells us that this king calls in this person who's got a massive debt. Some translations, they say the debt is 10,000 talents, which can equal out to like a billion U.S. dollars. Now, the first thing I think of when I hear this is, what is this servant spending $1 billion on? Like, how many Chick-fil-A sandwiches are you buying, bro? Calm down. Calm down on the Jordans. I know our pastor has really cool shoes, but you don't need, you don't need that, okay? Like, what are you doing? The point... The point, though, that Jesus is trying to make through this illustration is this is an unpayable debt. It's so big, no amount of work could ever pay this debt off, right? So since he can't pay this debt off, he orders that everything that this servant has be sold, which really stinks. And so obviously, this servant falls down on his knees, begging for patience, begging for more time to pay off this debt, and he gets something even better than time. He gets forgiveness. Instead of having to pay the debt, the king extends forgiveness. And so tonight, I want to look at biblical forgiveness because we know what this word is, but a lot of times, we don't actually know how to act out this word. And it's important for you and I to know the what, the why, and the how of biblical forgiveness. So we're going to look at the what, the why, and the how. Does that that sound good to you, New Song students? All right, so the what. Let's look at the what. Well, Jesus... He shares this parable with us um, because of a question that Peter asked him. Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often do I need to forgive somebody who sinned against me? Seven times? How often do I need to forgive somebody who sinned against me? Seven times. Now notice, Peter is doing two things here. He's being really sly about this question. Peter knows it's probably a good thing to forgive people. Like he knows I probably at least need to forgive people a couple times, but there's something in our human nature, in our fallen nature that does not want to extend forgiveness to people, right? So really what Peter is asking here is, hey, Jesus, what's the bare minimum of forgiveness? Like what's my low, what's the least amount of forgiveness I need to extend to somebody? What does he say? He says, Jesus, I know I, know I need to forgive people, but what if they keep on sinning against me? then there's got to be a point where I, I can stop forgiving them, right? There's got to be a point where forgiveness is no longer an option. Like, surely, if people keep on hurting me, then I don't need to forgive anymore, right? This is, the, this is the way Peter's asking this question. And then, the second thing Peter tries to do is he's trying to put up a front and act like he's generous. He's like He thinks that seven is a generous amount of, 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 of forgiveness. And he says, hey, Jesus, what about seven times? That seems like a lot of times. And Jesus says, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. Okay, so what is Jesus trying to get Peter to understand here? In other words, if you're trying to keep count, you've lost the point. Peter, Peter, if you're thinking about forgiveness and you're trying to keep count, you've already missed the point of forgiveness. When we experience hurt from a person, I think we all get into this place in our hearts where They've hurt us, so we automatically want to do the bare minimum for them, right? We want to do the bare minimum. We want to do the surface level nice towards them. But I want you to know, Jesus makes this pretty clear. This isn't God's heart. And if it's not God's heart, it shouldn't be our heart. We say this at New Song, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Well, guess what? If it matters to God, it should matter to us, right? Mark Driscoll says this. He says, forgiveness is the culture of heaven. Forgiveness is the culture of heaven. It's the very message of the cross. Like, forgiveness is one of the main themes in the, in the entire Bible. It's our cornerstone of our faith. And it's something that we can't ignore as Christians. It may not be easy, but as Christians, our response to the wrong that people has done to us, no matter how deep, God's goal for you is always to end in forgiveness. And that's always the way he's going to end. And so what exactly is it? What is Biblical forgiveness. Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Forgive means to release or to cancel a debt. To forgive means to release somebody from a debt. So I opened up with a story in my life about how somebody who had deeply hurt me affected my life. And I'm sure all of us in the room can think of a person or a time when that happened to you. Maybe not like me, but you've been hurt by somebody before. And I think when that happens, we can have that you're going to pay for that mentality. You're going to pay for that. That hurt. And we can say, we can have this thought of revenge, but this is what forgiveness is. It says, I know that you hurt me, but you don't actually owe me anymore. I'm releasing you from that debt. This means that whatever you did to me, it happened, but I'm completely 100% wiping the slate clean for you. I'm not going to hold that against you anymore. This is what forgiveness is. But sometimes I think it actually helps us to know what forgiveness is not. There's actually a lot of times where we we take this command from Jesus to forgive people to an extreme that he never actually meant us to take it to. Are you hearing me? Let me me show you what I mean by this. This is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not approval. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. Forgiveness is not approval. What do I mean by that? It's not agreeing with the wrong that was done to you. Like like when the, when, the, when the servant came to the, the king in this parable, the king didn't say, hey, how much did you borrow from me and steal and lose? One, $1 billion? Bro, come on. That's what I'm talking about. I forgive you. Here's a, here, do that again. That's what I'm talking about, right? The king didn't approve of the debt that that servant had paid, Right? Or that he couldn't pay. And I think sometimes we think that this command from Jesus to forgive is unfair. Like we think, Jesus, why do you want me to forgive them? What they did hurt me. What they did hurt me. And here's what Jesus says when we say that. I know it hurts you. And I'm not saying that it's okay. But what I am saying is you need to release them. I'm not saying it's okay what they did. But you need to release them. Like, think about what kind of picture the Bible gives us for forgiveness on the cross. Through the cross, we receive forgiveness, right? You and I are just like the, un- uh, the unforgiving servant. We have a debt to God that is unpayable. You could do all of the good works in the in- in- for your entire life, you could spend an entire life being a nice person and still have an unpayable debt towards God. But through the cross, you can have a clean slate, a completely 100% forgiven, clean slate. Now, how many of you know, after that clean slate, does God look at your sin before the cross or the sins that you're gonna commit in the future and say, hey, those are okay? Does he do that? Does he approve of your sin because because he forgave you from your sin? No. No. So listen to me. If God doesn't approve of sin against you, then why would we ever need to approve of sin against us? If God doesn't approve of our sin after forgiveness, then then why does forgiveness mean that everything that somebody does to us is okay? Well, the the realization is it doesn't. Because forgiveness is not approval of sin. And here's another thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not automatic reconciliation. Forgiveness is not automatic reconciliation. What do I mean by this? Well, going back to the parable, we see the king show forgiveness to his servant. And when he shows forgiveness and cancels this debt, do we see the king turn around and write another $1 billion check and give it to the servant? No, no that's crazy. He wouldn't do that. Like just because the servant was forgiven doesn't mean the servant was trusted. Yeah, and we'll say that again because somebody didn't get that. Just because the the servant was forgiven doesn't mean he was trusted. And I think sometimes... When we hear Jesus say that we, we need to forgive others, we, we take that to an extreme that he never called us to take it to. What do I, I mean by that? Well, imagine I, I brought one of you up here to do a trust fall on this platform. You ever done a trust fall at like a camp? Those are kind of scary, right? Now imagine, imagine I, come, I ask you to come up here. We're gonna do a trust fall together. So you're gonna stand right here and I'm gonna be right here behind you and you're gonna trust me. So you're gonna lean all the way back so you start to fall, gravity takes over. But don't worry, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to be right here, and I'm going to catch you, okay? And you're like, yeah, okay, let's do this. And so you get in position, and you're like, you ready? And I'm like, yeah, go for it. And so you lean back, you lean back, and I'm right here. And then right at the last second, I go like this, and you just, Now, obviously, that would hurt. Ouch. That would hurt. But then you get up, and you're like, dude, why did you do that? And I come to you, and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. All the people distracted me. But but I promise, I won't do it again. I promise. It just will you forgive me? You're like, yeah, I forgive you because I'm a Christian and I know that's what I'm called to do, so I forgive you. And I'm like, cool. You want to do it again? And you're like, not really. You you dropped me. And I'm like, but you forgave me. So let's do it again. You gotta you gotta do it again with me. Like, you forgave me, right? We're good. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I I guess I forgave you. And so you get into this position again, and I, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. And you lean back, and at the last second I go, psych. And you fall again. And sometimes this is what happens in our relationships. Sometimes as Christians, we're not careful to fully understand what forgiveness is. And so we think that forgiveness is approval of, of sin. And we think that forgiveness means that we're all of a sudden best friends again. We think that forgiveness means that nothing nothing actually happened. Everything that happened didn't actually happen. Everything's okay. We're just going to keep going, pretending like Like, it's all good, and I trust you. But this is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not extending trust towards somebody. And can I tell you, if you have a relationship in your life where a person is continuing to hurt you over and over and over again, Jesus isn't standing next to you saying, you need to keep extending grace to them, or or you need to keep extending trust to them. If you're in a relationship like that, Jesus hasn't called you to be a doormat. Jesus Jesus hasn't called you to be walked on by people. That's not what biblical forgiveness looks like. Forgiveness is not approval, and it's not automatic reconciliation. And Before we get to the why of forgiveness, I want to look at two more things. There's two forms of forgiveness that we see in Scripture. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Transactional forgiveness. Transactional forgiveness. What is this? This is a form of forgiveness where a transaction takes place. What does that mean? That that means there's two people involved. This is the type of forgiveness that we see happening in the parable. We've got the king and we've got the servant. We've got the king who's been wronged. We've got the servant who understands that they've done the wrong thing and they come pleading to them. And the, and the, the king extends forgiveness to the servant. This is what transactional forgiveness looks like. And sometimes God will want to use this to restore relationships. There's relationships in your life that need transactional forgiveness right now. And God's called you to do that, and that act of obedience is actually going to restore a relationship in your life. But what happens if the person that you need to forgive isn't in your life anymore? Or what happens when the person that you need to forgive doesn't think that they need to be forgiven? They don't think that they're in the wrong. What happens then? Do you not forgive them? Well, yeah, you still forgive them, but it's a different type of forgiveness. This is what type of forgiveness that is. It's called unilateral forgiveness, or I like to call it one-way forgiveness. One-way forgiveness. And we actually have a picture of one-way forgiveness when we see Jesus hanging on the cross. After after some of the most gruesome torture that anybody could ever face, Jesus extends unilateral forgiveness. He extends one-way forgiveness forgiveness to the people crucifying him. Look at what it says right here. It says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Now, did any of those Roman guards crucifying Jesus ask for forgiveness? No, No, none of them cared. They didn't think that what they were doing was wrong. They didn't ask for forgiveness, but Jesus extended it anyway. This is one way forgiveness. David Guzik says it like this, in this, Jesus recognized the blindness of his enemies. You know, sometimes there are going to be people that are hurting you, and they're just blind to the fact that they're hurting you. And Jesus recognized the blindness of his enemies in this prayer. This did not excuse the guilt of those who put Jesus on the cross. But check this out. Jesus set his enemies in the best possible light in his prayer to his Father. We must pray with the same heart after the same pattern. And this is a hard pill to swallow. It's hard to swallow a pill that I'm gonna to have to forgive people sometimes one way. You know, sometimes the only closure that you're gonna have in a scenario is you extending one-way forgiveness to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the only closure you're gonna have in your heart is when you, by faith, extend one-way forgiveness to somebody. But this is a type of forgiveness that God has called all of us to walk in, no matter what the cut, no matter what the wound this is forgiveness. This is so why do we forgive? We know what the what is, but why do we forgive? Why, why is it important as a Christian that we forgive? Well, Ephesians 4.32 says this, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Yeah. So it's pretty simple. Why do we forgive? Well, because we've been forgiven. Yeah. If you're taking notes, write this down. Why do we forgive? It's because you and I have been forgiven. Why, why were the other servants so upset when they saw that servant choose to not forgive his debtor? Why were they so upset? Well, it's because they just saw him forgiven for the exact same issue, except it was bigger for him. So what did that make him? That made, it, that made him a hypocrite, right? Yeah. And here's the thing that we gotta understand. Unforgiveness, no matter how you slice it, is always hypocritical. Yeah. Unforgiveness no matter how you slice it, is always hypocritical. It doesn't matter how how you justify it, how you angle it, how you phrase it. An unforgiving Christian is a hypocritical Christian. Because if you call yourself a Christian, look at this, then guess who you are in the parable? You are the unforgiving servant. At one point in your life, you had an unpayable debt. At one point in all, all of our lives, we had an unpayable debt towards God that none of us could own. And if Jesus, who never needed to ask forgiveness for anybody, lived a perfect life, if he's the only person who can actually say, you're going to pay for that, and he doesn't, then guess what? We don't get to say that. We don't get to say, you're going to pay for that. Because the one, the one person who had that right was Jesus, and he didn't say that to us. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And number two, write this down. We forgive because it frees us. We forgive because it frees us. Think about this. If the definition of freedom is literally to release, then think about what the definition of unforgiveness is. To imprison, to lock up, to hold back. And here's the ugly truth about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness towards another person, the only person it's actually hurting is us. The only the only person unforgiveness is actually holding back is not the person that's hurt you but it's you. There's a quote you've probably heard it before it's so good it paints a picture of this perfectly. Unforgiveness is kind of like drinking poison hoping that the other person is going to die. Yeah. And the only person that that poison is hurting is me. Yeah. When I un- when I'm not forgiving somebody, I'm drinking poison thinking I'm going to hurt the person who hurt me when the only person it's actually hurting is me. And this is what unforgiveness looks like. And forgiving somebody, can we just be real, who's legit hurt you is never easy. Yeah. It's never easy to do. But when we don't forgive them, the only person it's holding back is you and me. And when we forgive others, we're not just for, we're not just freeing us, but we're actually stepping into a Christ-like role where we're able to free other people too. We're able to say, "Hey, you don't owe me anymore. I release you from this debt." Is this good, New Song students? Are you hanging in with me? Okay, well, as we get ready to close, Jay, you can throw some music on. I wanna to get to the how of forgiveness. And this is really where I feel, this is where I feel a strong burden. So lean in with me. Don't, don't check out yet. We're not done yet. The how, honestly, you can know the what, you can know the why, but I think the how is the most important part of this message. The how is, is how we forgive. How do we forgive somebody? Write this down if you're taking notes. How do we forgive? We have to count the cost. We have to count the cost. What do I mean by this? Well, it means we have to have a full understanding of what was actually taken from us in order to forgive. Here's what it means. It means you can't ignore the fact that they actually stole from you. You can't ignore the fact that that thing that happened to you actually really hurt you. In order for it to be true forgiveness, you can't pretend like it wasn't a thing. Wow, that's good. I don't think you're getting this, New Song students. This is something that most Christians get wrong when it comes to forgiveness. We think that our call to forgive looks like us pretending like it never happened. We, 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 we think that it's us putting up a front and saying, ah, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Ah, oh, what they did to me wasn't that big of a deal. I forgave them. It's not that big of a deal. I forgive because Jesus tells me to forgive. We kind of have this attitude of quick forgiveness. Like, I just forgive you, because that's what I'm called to do. And it's going to be my first response, and I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to forgive you. I'm good. It's fine. It's not a big deal. But here's something that I feel so strongly from the Lord, something I feel like the Lord was really speaking to me about this week. It's not true forgiveness until you acknowledge the fact that it hurt. Listen to this. You can't release somebody from a debt that you're pretending doesn't even exist. The king didn't bring the servant to him and pretend that the debt didn't exist. He acknowledged, hey, this is the debt, but I'm still gonna forgive you. And this is a crucial part for you and I to actually walk in forgiveness. It's not real forgiveness. It's not full freedom until you've counted the cost, until you've actually taken a second to acknowledge the fact, hey, what that, what that person did to me actually really hurt. And now I'm gonna release them from it here's what I mean by this. When I was a kid, I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, but when I was a kid, I, I experienced some really terrible things from some friends that I had growing up. I had some really embarrassing things happen to me growing up that caused me to feel a lot of shame, caused me to walk around with a lot of embarrassment. And it was something that was so shameful for me that I started to forget about it so much. I was pressing it so deep down in my heart that I just, I legit forgot about it. I I shoved it down, pretended like I was good, pretended like it didn't happen, and I forgot about it. And one day in college, I'm sitting across the table from a friend and we're having a conversation and the conversation starts to get really transparent. And I start to tell him about all of these things that had happened to me as a kid. And I kind of had this Christian mentality about forgiveness. I kind of had this like, ah, it's not a big deal though. Like other people have gone through crazier things. Like it didn't, it hurt me, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I'm good now, it's fine, I forgive them. And I remember this guy, he's listening to me and he just kind of looks at me and he's like, it kind of sounds like you're downplaying this right now. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, it just seems like you didn't actually forgive them. It kind of seems like you're pretending like it didn't even happen. And he was like, Jackson, have you ever actually acknowledged the fact that that probably hurt you? Have you ever taken the second to say That hurt? And what they did was wrong? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, how about you do it right now? So we're sitting together. And he was like, I want you to say this right now. What they did was wrong. And that hurt me. And I'm telling you, I I couldn't even finish the sentence without breaking down like a little girl who just lost her parents in the grocery store. Like I'm I'm losing it. And here's why. It's because it was the first time I'd ever actually counted the cost. I lived my whole life... Acting like I had forgiven them without actually recognizing that there was a debt in the first place. How am I supposed to release somebody from a debt that I'm pretending doesn't even exist? Here's the reality you can't. You can't release somebody from a debt that you're pretending never existed. And so here's what I want us to see tonight, New Song students. Jesus, yes, 100% every single time, no matter what happened to you, he's called you to forgive. That's always the end goal for Jesus. He always wants you to forgive no matter what happened, but here's what I also know about Jesus. He's really good and he hasn't called you to be a doormat for people. He hasn't called you to also pretend like nothing bad's ever happened to you because you're a Christian. The reality is we get hurt by people. We live in a fallen world and sometimes the hurt that happens cuts deep. And here's what, here's what type of forgiveness Jesus has called us to. He's called us to release debts. And if you're releasing a debt that you don't think actually exists, you're not actually releasing a debt at all. New Song students, God's called you and I to count the cost. What does that mean? That means looking in, recognizing, hey, something was actually taken from me, but I'm going to release you anyway. This is what biblical forgiveness looks like. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. New Song students.